Harichwani was a South African Iron Age settlement 25 kilometers northeast of the town of Zerist in the northwest. It was the cultural capital of the Bahurutsi people and a center of manufacturing and trading. It was also one of the topics I explored as part of my master's thesis. And then, all those years ago, the site fell between four farms. In 2011, the ruins were declared a national heritage site by the government, but still not much seems to have been done to protect, restore, and teach this rich history until now. There seems to be a cultural revival in Karichwene, and freelance journalist and community activist Kenneth Mohartle joins me now to tell me more. Kenneth, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Hey, good day, Cherish, today, and then good day to the, to the listeners. Thank you very much. Kenneth, you live in Zeris, so just outside Zeris. You are a, a member of the Baharutsi people. Tell me a little bit about what Karichwene means to you. Um, the term Karichwene, it's coming from um, the fact that there were many baboons in that place, and it's a totem of the people who resided there. Uh, it's believed that they, they, they started living there from the 14th, 14th century until 1883. That's when they left uh, due to the unending conflicts, uh, which sometimes uh, were internal, sometimes they, uh, they were external. Uh, the last one being Mzilikazi attacking um, the Bahuruzi people who used to settle there. Um, so these are the people who are today found in the region called Mariko region. Many know it as Mariko, but we, used to, we, we are referring to it as Lihuruzi uh, to symbolize that the people found there um, are, are speaking a certain language. It's another tribe within the Botswana cultural group found in South Africa, of course. Uh, so these people are staying or are located in, in villages surrounding a town called Zirast. Uh, there's Hruot Mariko for those who are familiar with the place and Swatterhands. So they are found in that region of, of the Northwest province. So they are calling themselves Bahuruti and the name uh, Kaditsweni, you can use them uh, interchangeably because they all refer to baboon. They see resemblance uh, in the baboon. So that is why they used to refer to that place as Kaditsweni or Kaditsweni because there were a lot of baboons there. Kadi Twenty at the time, I think, was as big as Great Zimbabwe. It was an Iron Age settlement. There was a lot of trade. Yet everybody knows about Great Zimbabwe. Very few people actually know about Kadi Twenty. Why do you think that is? There are complex issues making it complex factors making it difficult for this uh, place, uh, which is which is a treasure for the, the people of South Africa. Not only to the people of Bahuruti, but I think uh, every South African and those who are who are coming from neighboring countries, uh, they also should take some pride in this place. So I think um, the reason why it's not as popular as Mapungue, Tulamela, and many other crucial places, it is because of lack of commitment, lack of political commitment from those who are in government because they are the ones who should be leading these initiatives. But as the community, we are doing something, but it's not enough. Of course, it needs some efforts from government because we, we do not have the financial muscle to pull this through. But what we are trying to do is that we are trying to run some edu educational um, initiative to try and teach people because what is very sad is that uh, even the people who are staying close to Kaditsweni, they don't don't know about the place and the, the significance of, of this place. So it shows that the, the government is not doing enough, and especially the provincial government. I think the reason being that uh, most people or most government officials, they do not have 
cultural interest. That is because they are not themselves coming from, they are not originating from Huruzi, or they are not coming from this region. That is why they do not show a full commitment as we would like uh, them to show. They are coming from the other part of the Northwest, which is Mafiken. So if perhaps we, in future, we can have someone coming from Lihuruzi representing us in either provincial legislature or in the national legislature, maybe the message might arrive uh, better. We might start hearing the name Kaditsu more often uh, as we do with Mapungu, Betulamela and many other place, such places in South Africa. Kenneth, when I was a young master's student, Katichweni um, fell between four farms and it was before transformation, it was at the time of transformation of South Africa. And I think at that time, many people had hope that had cultural significance to the people living there would in some way not belong to, but culturally at least belong to, if not, you know, in reality. And I know land is a big issue in South Africa. Uh, What has happened? Where does Kari 20 fall now? It's a very tragic and sad story. At the moment, there are about uh, three families. Uh, It's the Skipper, it's the Delport, and the Fander Mervis. They are owning, it's a privately owned land. The government have been trying to pursue them uh, to try and hoo them uh, into selling that uh, piece of land. But uh, sometimes there seems to be challenges or reluctance from either government or the private owners of the land. But someone, family which has always shown an interest in selling the land is the Delport family. They are also allowing us or uh, giving us an access permission uh, to go and see the rooms. So if if you are coming touring the place and you want to see the, the remains, the archaeological evidence to show where the people used to stay, uh, you, you simply enter the Delport family. They don't even charge you a cent. But the remaining two, two farms, uh, you either have to pay the owner or you don't get an access uh, to go and see. But what we appreciate as the community is that uh, they are not tampering with um, with the archaeological evidence found in those farms. Everything is still the way it used to be. So what I think seems to be difficulty is the, the, the agreement. They can't reach an agreement or a consensus between them and government, especially when it comes to the value or the money which the government wants to use. The government feels that the, the money is is surpassing the value of the land. Uh, They feel that uh, the price is too high and they cannot afford it. But the community is becoming impatient daily. Uh, There are also issues uh, of um, divisions within the people who fall under this tribe of called Bahuruti. They are fighting amongst themselves, which is another factor which makes it a bit difficult to pressurize government because if they were united, then it would be easier uh, to convince the private sellers of the land um, to sell the land. And it it is also difficult to access uh, that portion of land, which makes it difficult because we are only able to access only one part of the Kaditsweni. So we don't know about uh, the other parts of Kaditsweni. We can see through the fence that um, everything is still the way it was, but we can't access them. Even the people who want to perform some cultural or spiritual rituals, they are not able to access those funds. So I think uh, the blame should be put on the provincial government, especially the Department of Arts and Culture and the Department of Agriculture and Land Reform, because they should have uh, tried to speed up the process so that the people are able 
to access the land because it, the land is it's very important uh, to the people because it signifies the being the importance of being alive um, it's also an identity it's not only about um, the commercial interest uh, we need to go there and talk to our ancestors so you can't do that if you are denied um, an access to that land Kenneth, you talk about the, the cultural connection to the land and people are getting impatient. It seems to me that there is a revival in learning and knowing and preserving about Karichweni. You, you mentioned prior to this interview that there was Karichweni, the musical that was performing. I know that there's a Karichweni book club that's just been open in your area. What do you, why do you think this revival is happening? And tell me a little bit more about it. There is, we can, we might call it a cultural revolution of, yeah, of some sort. There are people who want to understand um, their past, where, where they come from, their identity, as I had mentioned before. This group, which had visited or taught the place a month ago, they are coming from a place called Atamelang in Mafiking. So they know a place uh, better than the people who are staying close to it. I think they've read about it um, and they also have done uh, some research on it uh, because that's where uh, we would say uh, our life began, began there as Botswana. Uh, and also Bapedi and, and Basoto who are coming from the free state, um, their heritage is also found there. So it shows that um, we might call it a cradle of humankind of some sort. That's where everybody's uh, heritage is found. So people are now showing more interest in wanting to know exactly what Kaditsweni is or what Kaditsweni was. And we, are, we have seen the musical show and they were performing in, in Johannesburg. Um, and they are, they are still performing, uh, I think, in, in Johannesburg. They will come uh, this month uh, of July. They will start uh, performing in the Northwest again. Uh, they, are, they have named themselves after uh, Kaditsweni, which is significant uh, because people will keep asking about the origin of the name. Uh, and immediately after such question, then you have to explain what Kaditsweni was or what Kaditsweni is. And together with other people, I have started a book club called Kaditsweni. Uh, it has not fully uh, started, but we already started lending people some books, which we have, of course, uh, as a donation from people. And people are starting to give out their books to the club. And then people, we, we are what we are trying to do primarily is that we are encouraging uh, literacy and numeracy in the village. Uh, so we are encouraging people to go and read, and this should start uh, becoming a habit uh, to improve uh, their also level of reasoning or logic. So that's, that, that is what is happening. And we, we also want to take it to another level. We want to talk more about it uh, until something uh, is happening. Uh, we are happy because we have got um, uh, people, who, especially who are at the leadership uh, who are in leadership position or influential places, uh, people such as Uhuru, Muilwa, and few others, especially those who are coming from the tribal authority, they are already starting to show interest. People like Kwena Mangope, the son of the late Bantu stand leader, Lucas Mangope, also is trying to, to gather all the CPAs, uh, the communal property associations of all the villages trying to unite them and make them one thing uh, because we all have got an interest in in Kaditsweni. So once uh, that have happened, so we are able to go to government and, and sit around the table and then uh, meet a consensus 
before we could go and pursue the private owners of that land because we know that they want to move out and start life somewhere else because they've been they've been staying here for quite some time and and they know the importance or the significance of the portion of the land that they occupy Kenneth, you obviously are a member of the Baharutsi people. Do you have oral stories that you remember maybe your grandparents telling you about Khadichweni? Is there an oral history tradition that tells the story of Khadichweni? Yes, yes, there is. Um, my grandmother, my, my maternal grandmother used to tell me that uh, it's the stories that uh, she was told. But as we go on, the stories gets to be diluted because you do not narrate them the same way they were they were being narrated by someone else. Uh, but what she used to tell me was that uh, her parents uh, were less fortunate than many other people. So he, she did not have a father. Uh, she was raised by a single mother. And so the people there, those who were, who were not owning a land or those who had no fathers, because the people who were, who were producing or manufacturing steel and iron, uh, mostly they were men. It was not female. It was mainly men who were working with uh, manufacturing and iron. So those who were not owning a land or those who were not uh, heading cattle, or any other things. They used to to build um, a calabash. So they were were building a calabash, calabashes, and then they were taking those those calabashes from Kaditsweni to countries such as Zimbabwe, Zambia, and other neighboring countries. So you could imagine taking those calabash to those countries and you don't get money because money was not used as a financial system. So you will get them inside that calabash. Uh, they will put the maize meal or they will put anything that uh, in exchange of that calabash. So those are some of the stories that I heard from my grandmother. And of course, there are many others which are not written. I think also in academia, not much is done in terms of um, narrating stories from those angles. What, what of course, uh, has, has, has happened uh, is that uh, most of the evidence found in that place have been well documented, but much still needs to be done. As you are saying that when you were doing your master's, you also uh, have done much in terms of uh, preserving uh, what is remaining there. And also, I think it, it is a public document. People are going to access it. And many other people are, are doing that. Uh, but we, we still need more exposure uh, to the world. Well, I'm personally delighted that Karichweni is being spoken about. Um, I, I'm sorry I missed the play, but uh, definitely give me the details. I'll try when it's in Joburg again, and I'll certainly try and um, yeah. visit it and watch it. And just to say good luck to you. Um, I hope it's successful. It's, you, you outlined the challenges. And yeah. um, let's hope that uh, soon we'll see big changes and Karichweni should take its place alongside all the archaeological sites that we and that we recognize it and preserve it and learn from it. Thank you very much for this uh, opportunity. I think next time when we talk, uh, it will be uh, to come and tell the listeners that uh, we've been able to reclaim the, the land from all the three private owners. I look forward to that conversation, Kenneth. That was Kenneth Mukhartle, freelance journalist and community activist, talking about his own heritage, which is also our communal heritage, Khadichweni. Pick and Pay Nord Hyper Kosher Deli and Kosher Bakery have these specials just for you. Pick and Pay Power of Traditional Beetroot Salad, American Coleslaw, and Yakisha Potato Salad are 79 Rand 99 per kilo. 
Pick-and-pay Parab Yemenite bean salad or Israeli salad are just 129 rand 99 per kilo. Pick-and-pay banana loaf was 24 rand 99, but now it's an unbeatable 15 rand 99 each. Pick-and-pay Parabapka was 27 rand 99, now 21 rand. Take home these and many more specials in store. These specials are exclusive to Pick and Pay Nord Hyper and only while stocks last. Pick and Pay Hyper Nord, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot.